The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Everybody. Welcome to the Blunt and No Not Weed podcast. This one was not planned. No, no, this one was not planned. Uh, it was not prepared for because what it is about, it's not that it could not have been prepared for. Yeah, we definitely knew this was coming. I definitely knew this was coming. Um, it made sense to me when I saw it. It wasn't like, ah, guys. Look what's happening. It was like, ah, it's finally happening. Okay. But anyway, let's get started. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Welcome. This one is really not planned. I'm telling you, this was not the podcast to be uploaded this Friday. This Friday, I was going to talk about cancel culture, y'all. But I had to come on and I'm a South African, so I can't be silent about things like these. I have to talk about them because it is affecting my reality and people who I love's reality as well. So let's get started. Uh, before we get started, hi everybody, my name is Mutondwa. Welcome to the Plant and No Not Weed podcast. This is going to be your first time listening to this podcast. This is such a shitty topic to come in on. I'm telling you, I have like 18 other episodes that are like completely different to this. But you know what? Uh, they're pretty much the same because I, I just call what I see what I see and so this is what I see and this is what I think about what I see um before we get started yes my name is Mutondra I'm from South Africa and I'm a podcaster I podcast yay hence you are here <laughs> um I do not currently live in South Africa so I do have to give that disclaimer I am based in Budapest in Hungary where I'm currently studying so I am abroad and watching this from the news and online and through friends and family. But I do think that being on the outside and being in out of South Africa gives me a really great perspective. Having traveled a bit and gone to different places, um, when I look at South Africa, I have a different lens in which I look at it from. Um, but anyway, let's get started. I'll do a quick little intro. <laughs> I did already do an intro. But yeah, this week's been pretty hectic. Like, I, I feel like even though I'm not in South Africa, I'm feeling the heat. Like, I'm just really feeling the heat in my soul. Um, I'm currently drinking tea. It's like quite late, but I've decided to drink tea. I'm, I'm usually drinking water. I'm usually drinking wine. But for this one, I brewed a nice cup of tea of like, raspberry you know and berries and stuff oh, so good so good okay so yes um this again avoidance tactics you see this this is this is what my therapist talks about i went to therapy this week actually um i was hooked up by with a therapist uh you know who you are wink wink um and <laughs> I was hooked up for a therapist and she said to me, she said, you know what? <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you, you say the most painful things with a smile on your face. It's a little unnerving. I was like, okay, sis. <laughs> 
I know. I know. It's called a coping mechanism. Okay. I was telling my friends, like, this is what <laughs> this therapist said to me. <laughs> and then my one friend is like, well, you, well, you do kind of do that though. You, you have a way of doing that. I was like, yes, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing I do, but it's a coping mechanism. And she's like, well, you need that. You need to stop that because that is avoidance and you need to actually deal with things. So look at me going to therapy and stuff. But um, this was me trying to avoid starting this conversation because I think this conversation is so, it's so nuanced. It's just so nuanced and there's so many layers to it that it, it, it's, it's multifaceted. And I think the problem is that a lot of us are looking at it from one lens and this is the lens that favors our opinion the most and not necessarily based on facts and based on the truth. Because in, in the episode I was supposed to drop today about, about cancel culture, <laughs> my guests and I actually cover that. You know, like facts and opinions are different. It's not the same. Hmm? So no matter how many times you try to make your opinion a fact, it will not be a fact. Numbers speak. Numbers don't lie. So let's let's get into it. So I'm not good with timelines, guys. I'm not good with dates. So you're going to have to forgive me. I'm not a reporter. I am a podcaster. So if you want the proper sequence of events and dates, you came to the wrong place. The absolute wrong place. But anyway, what I will say is um, how this all started. So some people say it started with Jacob Zuma um, and the announcement that he was going to turn himself in after... He skipped his hearings and he was subpoenaed by the court and told that if he does not show up, they will come and arrest him uh, and then he will go to jail. So he decided, hey, listen, I'm not trying to get myself arrested. I don't want that spectacle. So I'll just turn myself in. I mean, why didn't you just show up, bruh? Like you just showed up to your fucking hearings. You did the crimes. So just show up. Just saying. But anyway, he didn't. And so he was you know there was a, a warrant for his arrest <laughs> i can't believe this like we live in a time where we have presidents with warrants out for their arrests <laughs> but anyway um yeah so that was what happened and when the news broke out that he was indeed going to jail he will be serving a 15 month jail sentence for his crimes um and it's not even the crimes of what he really did. It's just the crimes of not showing up to court, you guys. So remember that. Um, and this caused an uproar. Now, people think that this started in, in when this announcement happened with, with Mr. Zuma, with Jacob. No, it didn't. This started in 94. This started in 94. Actually, this started prior to 94, but 94, because this is, we'll say this is the founding of the current democracy that we're living in. This is the founding of the societal contract that we are now living in. It was signed in 1994. This started in 94 and has just brewed and stirred and has been waiting for something catastrophic enough to bring this to light and some people are going to say 
catastrophic like jacob's not going to jail for his crimes is catastrophic like he is a fucking corrupt president who doesn't care about him anybody else but himself and the people in his life and abridging himself and enriching himself and lining his pockets and looting south africa yes that is all true <laughs> that, that is absolutely all true that is who jacob zuma is but no it's it's not that it started with him specifically it started with broken promises it started with hope for a better tomorrow after people fought for that by the way people bled people died for the freedom and once the freedom was obtained they were told be patient wait we're coming for you we've got you us freedom fighters who fought and were the leaders of the freedom parties and movements we've got you don't worry it started with that and all the events that have happened have resulted and now the zuma case that's not the most catastrophic thing the thing that led to this the catastrophe that led to this is covid-19 covid you know what i was in china when covid started i was in beijing and <laughs> the way i realized that this disease is going to show us who we are as 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 a people as a society in whatever culture you're in as a planet number 1 but individually in whatever society culture country creed race tribe you come from it's going to show you who you are what you value what you're about it's going to poke all the holes all the holes in the systems that we've built and it's going to show us where we are lacking and that is exactly what covid came and did covid is the camel that broke is the camel is it is that the expression sorry my brain is freezing <laughs> what's that expression guys me i forgot it's the camel that broke it's the the something that broke the camel's back it's that thing covid is that thing i don't remember what the expression is i'm sorry but that is it it highlighted that in south africa we already knew some of us already knew if you were not living in a cave and only focused on yourself and your own life and how well you're doing you would know that people in south africa were suffering so i said i'm not going to just talk about my opinions because i think my opinions are useless in this point i'm i'm going to talk about the numbers so when i talked about that this actually started in 94 that the catastrophic event that elevated it to a boiling pitch was covid and then jacob zuma going to jail was the excuse it was the the opportunity the opportunity and so those are the events that happened now as a result of jacob zuma people will say it, it's because jacob zuma went to jail i'm telling you it's not it's all of these things come together it's inequality it's wealth disparity okay i said i'm not going to just give you my opinion so i've i've come with the receipts i have come with the receipts give me one second because sometimes my devices do not work <laughs> they refuse to participate with me which is fine okay so let's look at some numbers here by the way FYI South Africa was going into a recession before covid uh we were downgraded to junk status way before covid 
COVID made it worse. <laughs> like everything else, COVID was like, I'm going to show you guys <laughs> where y'all are struggling, where y'all have holes. And that's what literally COVID did. So let's talk about this. One very interesting statistic is that, and this was released by the South African government in 2018, that 10% of South Africans own 90% of the country's wealth. Okay. I didn't say it. They said it. 10% of the country owns 90% of South Africa's wealth. Okay. Now, when looking at these numbers, it sounds like it's already bad. Like, <laughs> no, guys, it's already bad. Like, we, we talk about the 1%. We talk about hoarding of resources. Which I talk about capitalism on this podcast all the time and how I do not think in an efficient, sufficient, empathetic, compassionate world, we still have to be dealing with hunger. We still have to be dealing with poverty and thirst. How? As a civilization, how are we? It's because people are hoarding resources. People are hoarding funds. And we do not care about other people. That is a fact. We don't care. Our governments don't care. They're busy making themselves rich. But anyway, let's continue. 60% of black South Africans live in poverty. 60%. 60. Um, South Africa is a majority black country. It means the majority of South Africans, Africans, 60% live in poverty. And I know we are, people are going to come, you're making this about race. You're making, you're talking. You. Okay, let me read the next stat. While just 1% of white South Africans are poor. I didn't make it about race. I didn't. History did. And until we, we reckon with the fact that our history is rooted there, until we, we reckon with the original sin of this country and its foundations, we are not going to get better. It's like we're putting on a plaster and we're like, guys, why are we still bleeding? Like we put on a plaster on this massive fucking wound and why is it still bleeding? And we're surprised. It's like, why is this happening? It's happening because of this. It's happening because of this. We say, oh, apartheid was so long ago. Pull yourself by the, by the bootstraps. How do you pull yourself by bootstraps that you were never given? Where? With what? You don't even have shoes. I think it was Trevor Noah who made that really great reference. Babe, you don't even have legs. So forget the boots. You have no legs. So how do you pull up bootstraps when you don't even have shoes or legs? And it's just like, come now, guys. With everything else, we understand historical events. With science, you, you pra when you do hypotheses and research, all you are analyzing consistently is historic events and occurrences and drawing hypotheses from those. Why is it that when it comes to this, it's, oh, you're playing a card. Oh, that was so long ago. Oh, move on. Oh, how long are you going to make excuses? How long are you going to play victim for? No, we need to study our history. We need to recon. 
that is a fact. Like, I'm sorry. Like there's that saying history repeats history forgotten is history repeated. That's not a lie. That's the truth. It is. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, now let's break down our population. Right? Because you guys are gonna be like, but how many how many people are actually black in the country? What percentage? I'm sorry, I just did a Karen voice because that's a very Karen thing to say. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so let's let's look at the numbers. Cause I said me here, I'm coming to do with the numbers, right? I'm gonna give you some some numbers so that you don't say me, I'm trying to, you know, play the race card or whatnot. Um, let's talk about this. So if we're looking at South Africa's population, we live in a dual, it's a dualistic society. There's two economies and that you cannot even tell me otherwise. There's economies for the wealthy. There's an economy and capitalism and, 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 and the wealth created in that way, by the way, through looting. Apartheid was a form of looting. The National Party was looting South Africa. That is a fact. And they were looting for the benefit of some and for the intentional destruction of others. And that others happens to be the majority of people in this country. Do you see that the math is not mathing here? Like it, It's not computing. I'm sorry. So let's break down the numbers. Let's talk about the, the numbers or the population numbers. Give me one second. So the black population, the African population, stands at nearly 75% of South Africa. 60% are in poverty lines, living below poverty lines. White people make up 12% of the population with only 1% being considered poor. Mixed race categories make up 11% and Asians and Indians make up 3%. Is this equal? No, I'm asking, is this equal? Are the numbers equal? No, they're not. They, they, you, you don't need to be a mathematician for them to be equal. They're just not equal. Now, let's talk about when we talk about where the money is, where the capital... That whole narrative of we want the land, return the land, that was not a joke. That was not based on, oh, the whims of youth. No, that was, listen... This needs to be addressed. How is it that land that was acquired through the oppression of a group of natives to this land is not owned by them? It's owned by either people who live in South Africa of a minority group or people who don't even live in South Africa of the same minority group, but they've just now left the country and live abroad. That's looting to me. That's a form of looting. So for me, I'm just like, okay, why are we so sensitive about certain forms of looting and not other forms of looting? Looting is wrong, period. It's wrong. I'm, never, I'm not going to sit here and condone it. It's wrong. Do I understand it? Yes. Poverty, poor people loot. 
Rich people, wealthy people, middle class people, you don't loot. They don't. Why would you loot? You can pay for it. You, 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 you have money. So are we then surprised that the majority of people looting represent the people who are indeed impoverished? Like, oh, these blacks. Right? Your people. And that whole thing of, oh my God. <laughs> Guys, we need to stop that one. That one, shit, I mean, it's... It, it, we know why it is that way, but that whole representation, monolithing of one group, these blacks, imagine these whites, these whites, these Indians, these coloreds, imagine. Oh, why did I do that in a colored accent? Guys, I'm just way too South African. <laughs> this, is too, this is what happens when you literally grow up in a freaking melting pot of a society. I can't, I can't. That's not okay. We're monolithing. And, we, and when you monolith, you dehumanize. You dehumanize and you do not feel for and then you do not understand the other person's perspective. History needs to be taken into account. This country was built on looting. It is and it was. And that is a fact. And so for me, when people are like, oh, these people are looting, you building, you breaking it down. How are you going to survive? More jobs are going to be lost. Oh my God, why are you stealing LED TVs and, and, and fridges and all of these things? And it's like, are you just refusing to see what the problem is here? Firstly, if you still meet from the, from, you still meet from pick and pay or wherever you looted the meat from, it needs a freezer, does it not? It's going to rot otherwise and it was just a waste. So I'm just like, they, it's things you have in your house. Why do you have those things in your house? When, when people loot, there's some people say, oh, why don't they just take the necessities, what they need? It's not about what they need. It's about what they've lost, what they've never had, what was taken from them through very ugly means. Okay, so that was history. That was apartheid. It did that. It set the foundation for this inequality, the racial inequality, the wealth disparity within South Africa. And if to me, if you can't even acknowledge that truth, then you are not of good faith. Then you are part of the problem. You are not part of the solution. Because if we're going to have solutions in this country, we're going to come together. Then we need to come together recognizing each party in this coming together. And that each party is not the same. That each party has not been afflicted and affected the same. That's how you come here, in good faith, with an open heart and an open mind to see things from the other person's perspective and to acknowledge where you are privileged. I am an extremely privileged South African. Even me sitting here right now, talking, recording this, I'm sitting in a freaking beautiful apartment in Budapest where I pay about 11,000 rand rent for it every month, fully furnished. So I'm just like, you need to check your privilege. When, when COVID hit, it didn't hit us the same, babe. When, when, when we're saying, guys, just stay home, just stay home. Home is a very, very nuanced word for people. It's not the same. Not everybody was locked downing the same. Oh, online school. Not everybody was able to attend online school. Okay? 
So please check your privileges. Fellow black people too. I think just because you were lucky. This is, you're going to say, oh, I worked hard. Yes, you might have worked hard, but there are people who have worked hard and are still unemployed. You're telling me that women who wake up every day at, at the crack of dawn, 4 a.m. in the morning, before half of you even wake up to catch taxis in the cold. You're telling me those people are not working hard? You're telling me those people are lazy? Fuck that shit. I saw my grandmother work hard. She would walk for miles. And you're going to tell me that is lazy? No, that is far from lazy. In fact, that is the hardest work I think you can do. When you know that you're working so hard for nothing, for peanuts. And it's not even a doing of your own. It's a system that's failed you. And then people are going to try monolith you. One thing I remember I was in, I was in Santon. No, was it, no, I was in Four Ways. And in front of Four Ways Crossing, I just remembered to drink my tea. <laughs> I just remembered to drink my tea. In front of Four Ways Crossing, there is a place where you can go to catch taxis, right? If you want to talk about the wealth disparity, you don't even have to look at the numbers. You look at the population and the social structures happening in South Africa. You look at how people are living their day-to-day lives and you will understand poverty. You will understand the disparity and the inequality. I remember I was going, I was coming from a friend's house in Fouez and I needed to get back to Midrand because I'm from Midrand. And I, it was raining. It was raining and it was pouring and it was cold. And I remember it was about, I think, five o'clock, peak traffic time, Fouez, William Nickel, peak. Vetkopen, peak. And there's a place where you can see where people go to take taxis. It's on the side of, of William Nickel, right in front of Four Ways um, Crossing. <laughs> the disparity is too large. I remember I stood there and it was just black and brown bodies, mostly black bodies, lining up in the cold, pouring, raining, waiting for taxis. And then you stand because it's on the side of the road. You stand and you look in the traffic. The, the math was not mathing. <laughs> yeah. The math was not mathing. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Think about it. When you, were in your, when you were in university, they say there's no such thing as generational wealth. When you were in university, actually, no, it's all my black, my, my black middle classes here who are listening. My black South African middle classes. Who bought your first car? Did you buy your first car or was it given to you as a gift? You bought your, most of us bought our first cars with our first jobs, which we got after going to university. Who of you remembers when you were in university and you used to go to write exams? I used to go to NMMU, so Heinz Betts, right? Used to walk to Heinz Betts. Used to walk to the, I think it's called Heinz Betts. It's been a while. The gym area. Who was walking? Who was in cars? There's no such thing as generational wealth. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
black and brown people are being impoverished in this country. They are suffering because they were left out. They were left out of participating. And when they are made to participate, this is the scary part, when they are made to participate in this economy, when they are allowed to participate, where are they participating? In which areas? Service? Service areas? Have you seen a white garage fuel? What are they called? Petrol attendant? God, Mike. This is what happens when you're on summer break. Your brain just shuts the fuck down. <laughs> but who who is it? Who? I mean, we can say all races, right? We can, we can say, because there's this conversation that we try to make it a black and white conversation in South Africa. And I absolutely agree with that. It's other people get lost in, in the middle. But you know why that happens? Because the gap is too wide. Because the disparities are too wide. So, and too extreme. So a lot of, and depending on where you are in the country, so if you are in areas, because yes, we were segregated by our colors and tribes and shit. So if you can actually classify what groups of black people or, uh, or Indians or coloreds or white people you'll find in the country based on location, right? What language they speak as well. That's a fact. And that is, again, the history of the previous regime. So... Of course, when you go to areas that were mostly predominantly colored areas, you're going to find colored petrol attendants. Yes, that is a fact. I'm not sure about Indian petrol attendants. Maybe in, 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 in Durban, but they are. Maybe in parts of Johannesburg, they are. But who's the majority? Let's not lie. Let's not. No, no. Don't lie to me. <laughs> don't gaslight me. <laughs> don't. Don't. Who? Which group of people? And yes, it is because we are the majority, but it's because the majority of us are also poor. That is not by mistake. That is by design. An initial design that was created to do so. There was a caste system. We're going to pretend like there was not a caste system in this country. Is that what we're going to do, guys? We're, going, we're really just going to pretend like there's no history. Huh? There's no history here? There's a history. Why are we acting like there's no history? It's like you break up with your boyfriend and then all of a sudden you're like, I forgot everything that happened. How? You can't. <laughs> How do you learn from it? How do you do better in the next situation? How do you evolve? How do you fix your wrongs? What? The Olympics are coming soon. What athlete have you ever seen go, I don't want to rewatch my old races. I, I just feel like it's just too, it's not necessary. How is that going to help me change? I must get over that. Where? How do you succeed with that mindset? <sighs> we can't pretend... We can't pretend that a large group, population group of this country was not allowed to participate in the creation of this economy that we have. We can't pretend that. And not only were they excluded, intentionally so, purposefully so, 
they were relegated to certain types of jobs, low-income paying jobs. There was that advert. Does anyone remember that advert? Guys, it got banned. I forgot what it was. Ah, oh, crap. My, it's going to bother me. Let's see. If, oh, but I think if I, if I try to play it, it's going to stop my equipment. And by the way, when I say equipment, I mean my phone. I'm trying to think what to do, how to do this. But anyway, there was this advert on SABC1 back in the day. I don't know. Some of you guys might be a little too young for this, but me, I'm not. But so anyway, there was this advert. And hey, I even remember the song. Like The song is playing in my head. And what they did is they did a, a social, little social experiment <coughs> in the form of an advert. They're like, hey, South Africans, let's switch roles. <laughs> let's switch roles. Let's, let's switch roles. And people were not happy. That advert got banned. By the way, it's still on YouTube. You can go find it. I'll try to leave the link in the description of my podcast of this episode for the, the, the advert. And people were triggered. This was before the word triggered was a thing, by the way. This was like late, early 2000s, late 2000s, I think. Around there, between then. And it got banned because people were triggered. Because they were like, this is not real acting. This would never happen. Like, oh my God, you, you, you despair. Like, oh, it was a whole thing. That advert needs to be put back on TV. That was the best way for progression to start back then with that advert playing on loop every day on TV. Every day. Because we, we, we need change. And someone like, so what, you want white people to feel guilty? If guilt helps you to come to the table and have honest conversations, you can start there. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that will probably be the feeling that you would feel if you're actually doing the work to try and recon your history. Yeah, that, that would be a, a, a great place to start, actually. Feel guilt, because guilt will allow you to feel compassion. Guilt will allow you to see your privilege. Guilt will allow you to see history. And then maybe we can participate and come together and unite now let's talk about the ANC because I can't have an I can't talk about the situation and not talk about the ANC. The ANC has failed South Africans, failed us dismally. So a lot of people, because this is a, a debate that's now coming, especially amongst young South Africans, the idea that Nelson Mandela Utatamadiba sold us out, right? He sold us out. He sold us a dream of broken promises. He said, guys, let's come together. Let's unite. It will get better. We will see you. We will recognize you. We will recon you. We will try and make it better for you. We will reappropriate. We will reparate. Is that a word? I think so. If it's not, oh well. That's what he said. And people were like, okay, we trust you, Tata. We trust you. And a lot of South Africans, are, young South Africans are now feeling like they were blindsided, that they were gaslit. And I understand that feeling. I understand it completely. Because, but what I will say, what I will say, I understand it because 
it's a form of betrayal. You feel betrayed by the people who are supposed to serve you, who are supposed to liberate you from your oppression and your bondage to help you elevate, to hold the people accountable for their actions. The Truth and Reconciliation Forum, the whole Truth and Reconciliation thing, That was the biggest lie ever. That was where we stopped progressing from there. Because there is never in any life situation, ever, just think of anything in your life. At anything. Could be big, it could be small. Where there was hurt, damage, mistrust, pain, death, murder, looting. I said small, those are the big things, but these are the big things that we're talking about. In any situation where those things happen, how does that, how does that work exactly? No, like seriously, how does that work? How do we, how do you move on? How do you get past that? And it was intentionally so. So I'm just saying, I feel like, if we're going to really come to the table and have real honest discussions, it, it, in, in no way do those things happen to you and you're just like, let's forget about it. Let's move on. No, you are angry. You are rageful. My therapist literally told me, she's like, you need, you all, I told her about everything that's happened to me so far this year. And she's like, after she told me that I say really painful things with a smile on my face and a little unnerving, she said, it feels, she asked me how I feel. And I was like, mm, I felt sad. And, did it. and she's like, it seems to me that there's one very important emotion that you're trying to, to put away. And I was like, oh, what is that? She's like, anger. Anger. When, when I was listening to your story, I was angry. I felt angry for you. How are you not angry? How do you expect the lowest of the caste system to not be angry? Like, come on. You wouldn't accept it in your own life, in your personal life. If someone does you wrong and they're like, oh, sweets, get over it. Fuck, man. You're so sensitive. Grow up, pear. Get over yourself. In what world would you accept that? Why are you trying to make other people accept it? Why are you trying to invalidate real? This is not whimful feelings. This is based on history. This is historic fact. I read you the numbers. The math is not mathing here. The calculations are not calculating. And I'm not even good at math, by the way. <laughs> I'm not. But even I know it's not making sense. So let's go back to the ANC because the ANC failed South Africans. In fact, I actually believe that in Africa... Governments are going to completely continue to fail their people. And this is what happens when people who've been oppressed come into power, taste power for the first time. Power corrupts. Unknown power, power that is new, corrupts character, especially if your character is not strong. But the odds for our African leaders 
are stacked because they've never felt this kind of power. And so what do they do? They are corrupt. They steal the same way the apartheid government stole from people of color in this country, blocked them, gatekept them out of opportunities and advancements and kept them in low menial service jobs is exactly what the ANC is doing. You are the new oppressors. And the thing that troubles me the most is that we don't have alternatives. We just don't. I was talking to a friend of mine and I was just like, I remember when I voted, I voted in two elections so far in this country since I became of age. And I voted in the municipal elections and I voted in a national election. And in the municipal elections, I, I can never vote for ANC. I do not vote for ANC. I don't. And I can't because they, they, they lied to their constituents. They betrayed the people who fought next to them, their brethren, the people who bled with them. And as soon as they got that whiff of power, that whiff of money, they turned their backs on their people. These old geezers need to go. I'm sorry. These old geezers need to go. We appreciate you. But how is it that 78-year-old men are making economic decisions for this country when they're not even going to be here to see the results of those, those, those rules and laws that they're implementing? We need young people in politics. We need young people who have the stamina and, and the, the drive and the, the motivation to go into politics. Because we need to get rid of these old people. I remember my sister showed me this interview with, with Zola Seven. And Zola Seven was, guys, you guys need to give Zola Seven just credit. He was woke before woke was a thing. Like that show, the Zola Seven show, that was so amazing. Like when I look back at it, I was just like, oh my God. That was his way of giving back to his people and his communities. And I feel like the way that the fees must fall came together, that was out of complete exhaustion it was out of just suffering babe and so yes and it isn't it ironic that peaceful mostly peaceful because it wasn't all peaceful protesters university protesters were met with with just force and violence and our fellow black south africans it's not just black people looting y'all need to stop with that narrative it's mostly shown as black people looting because it is the majority in this country, mostly black people. So they are the easiest people to find looting and they're the easiest people to film looting. But it don't even be twisted. They are white people looting and they are Indian people looting and they're Asian people looting. We don't really have a big Asian population. Jeez, it's, I mean, it's, it's Asian and Indian is 3%. So that means... Asian is, re I mean, Indians are Asians technically, but for the purpose of this conversation. But yeah, I even forgot my trail of thought. I'm so, I'm so annoyed, guys, that I'm just literally just. So yes, the ANC failed us. I was talking about Nelson Mandela before, and I feel like I understand how the youth would feel about, I mean, I'm part of the youth too. I understand how they would feel betrayed by Dada Madiba. But what I understood from it, and I stand to be corrected, but how I saw it is that 
if Nelson Mandela did not implement the strategy and the approach that he did when he came out, we were on the verge of a civil war. We were on the verge of a civil war and a racial war. That was what was going to happen. So Nelson Mandela did the approach for the moment. He got us through to the next step. He gave us a solution to get through to the next step. His hope was that the people who would pick up the baton would continue with this strategy of hope in mind, but with reform, recon, and solutions to elevate and to equate and equalize the disparities in this country. But unfortunately, we had one president who denied the rise of HIV and AIDS, Oh, Lord, that man gives me heart palpitations. Like, I just struggle. I struggle. So he was removed from office, rightfully so. Then we had Khalima Mukhante, but does he count? I'm sure if you ask, stop a 12-year-old in the street, it's like, do you know Khalima Mukhante? They'll be like, who's hmm? that? <laughs> no offense to him. No offense. But he doesn't count. And then Jacob Zuma was next. He was the worst thing that could happen to South Africa. The worst thing that could happen to South Africa. He became what is known as, he's like the Donald Trump to our South Africa. That, what Donald Trump is to America, Jacob Zuma is to South Africa. He came and he was, he he was, the, he was South Africa's first black president. He, he rubbed off the right people the wrong way. And that's when the his people knew, ah, he's not selling us out. Well, he was, <laughs> just not in that way. But he was indeed selling you out. And he, that's the worst kind of betrayal in it. When someone who's like, I'm for you. He, I mean, he does his dances. I honestly believe Jacob Zuma is a narcissist. I, I do. I don't think he has the capacity to care, feel, for anybody outside of himself. He might even be a sociopath. I don't know. That's I'm not a psychologist. But a narcissist he is. That I am sure of. Because no human being with a semblance of compassion. A semblance of guilt and a conscience is capable of doing what he did. It's not possible. It's just not possible. How do you loot your own people? The people who trusted you. The people, he was fucking the, the lead of Nkonto was Caesar for fuck's sake. You were the arms. You, <laughs> sir, were the arms of the nation. You were supposed to protect your people and you failed them. And the ANC has gone down this ugly, rotten road. And so that I will never support them. And that is why I say there is no opposition, legit opposition. None that I would vote for. In the last two elections, I voted for DA because I will never vote for the DA in a national election. Not a chance. The DA is... It's problematic. <laughs> is all I can say. <laughs> the DA is problematic and they don't even try to hide it. It's like, my God, if you're going to like literally just do better. If you're going to try and win any damn elections in this country, you need to be, you need to do what your forefathers did when they arrived here. Like, <laughs> do it properly. 
<laughs> you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you need to be a little clever. You need to be a little more deceitful. I'm just saying, like, we see you. And I would, what, quote unquote, what Jacob Zuma would put me as the educated blacks. I've been educated blacks. Well, one black, but yes. Anyway, so I'd never vote for the DA. In the national elections, I voted for the EFF. And I knew because Cyril Ramaphosa was going to win, so I voted for um, I voted for the 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 EFF. And I I don't want the EFF to rule. I'm sorry, Julius Malema is too polarizing. We don't need a polarizing figure right now in our political system. We need someone who can come, speak the truth, represent the majority's ailments and struggles in good faith without it trying to be this propaganda, let's hate everybody who isn't us agenda. Like, he had some great policies. But, like, I just don't like the rhetoric. But I voted for him because I knew he wasn't going to win. But I wanted them to have more seats because I wanted them to cause more racket. I wanted them to cause more noise. And that is what they did. My God, can we just say 2018, 2019, That shit was lit. Like, <laughs> Parliament was fire. <laughs> Parliament was fire. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm petty, guys. I'm sorry. I'm really petty. But <laughs> And I wanted that. Because they, we had we had MSCs falling asleep because they didn't care about what was being said. And again, if you're falling asleep, then clearly you know it's supposed you, you it's not for you, sis. Like you 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 maybe I don't want to sound ageist here, but I do need to sound ageist a little bit because politics is not for the old; it's for the young. Revolutions are not brought by old men and women; they are brought by the young. And so, old people need to know when to leave, go quietly. And let the next generation take over, hand over the baton. You know, there's that nice expression that says, you need to know when to leave, when to get out. They say it to athletes all the time. You know, we have these athletes who refuse to retire. I nearly shaded Serena Williams, but I can't even shade Serena Williams because my God, even as older as she gets, it's like she just can't be, I mean, she is getting beaten, but it's like she's better than most players at her level, at her age, after getting a baby. So I can't even come for Serena. But there's some people who need to... Let's go to the rap game, for example. Em, you need to put the mic down. You know, stuff like that. I love Eminem. Don't even fucking get me wrong. I love him. But it's time to put the mic down. Or keep rapping, but just don't be coming for people. And like, you know... I mean, I agree with him. The current rap in, in the world, except for a few exceptions, like you can reach and you do calls for me you know um the rap is just it's not it's not for me but and i relate to him on that level i do i sound like a millennial i am a millennial but it's it's not for me i like lyrics <laughs> i like meaningful lyrics i like rhymes and cadences and bars and stuff you know um but that's just me that's just me so like like m m put the mic down all people you need to know when to leave positions of power you really really do because this is not this is not helpful you gatekeeping politics you literally the ANC must fall 
they really must. I think it was Desmond Tutu. I saw this video of Desmond Tutu saying that the ANC is about to become the enemy. He said it a while ago during the Zuma um, hearings. Can you, you know, when I know Zuma is a narcissist, the fact that he was laughing during his hearings about how he fucking looted this country. And he was laughing. But the ANC right now needs to... I saw this funny... Because um, Twitter was lit this week, guys. Let's not even lie. I saw this funny um, tweet. If I don't remember who it was. But if this is you, this was your tweet. You said, can we please just uh, make the elections uh, tomorrow so that we can vote before our grannies forget? And it's just the truth. Unfortunately, older South Africans are tied hip by hip to the ANC. And so they will keep coming out in droves because young people, we don't vote. And so your grannies will decide your future because they go out and vote. So we, we have, we, we, the, the only way I can say it is that number one, we have an inequality problem in South Africa, a wealth inequality and a disparity. We have racial trauma in this country that has never been addressed equitably and efficiently. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission was a farce. There is no any other situation in life that you would allow the abhorrent things that were said and, 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 and brought to light and there would be no consequences, no accountability. That is not reformation. That is not reconciliation. When we hurt people, we acknowledge it. And we take the consequences. We take the hit for that. There were no consequences in the transition of power. And so the whoever had looted initially kept their lootings, renamed it as wealth and hard work, and told the ones who had been looted that they were lazy and that they needed to do better for themselves and stop making excuses. And that is what has led to what we see happening. And notice how this whole time I have not focused on the actual looting itself, because that is not the problem. That is not the disease. That is a symptom of our disease in South Africa. So our variety of diseases in South Africa. So this is going to keep happening. I, I, as someone who's now dealing with traumas that I have buried and hidden away in my own personal life for a long time, that shit needs to come to light. It will come to light, whether you like it or not. And so then we must all then participate in good faith, not trying to shield yourself from acknowledging the truth and history. That doesn't do us anything. That does us no good. It brings us right back here. And we will keep coming back here until we have these honest conversations. We're going to be coming right back here. And people are going, guys, why is this happening? Our country is burning. You, it's on fire, guys. That's Sumizi video in his Bentley. Listen, I love Sumizi. <laughs> someone was like to me, Sumizi, actually, no, it wasn't someone's the internet because, you know, the internet literally speaks to you on a daily basis. Let's not even lie. But someone on the internet was like to me, uh, <laughs> what, how long has it been since um, Sumizi played... Um, Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. This is going to bother me. In Sarafina, what was his name? 
Okay, no. I'm going to have to Google it. Because if I don't, then it's going to bother me. It's going to bother me. Give me one second. I might remember it as I'm Googling because that's how my brain works. Um, Serafina. Give me one second. Ah, there we go. I can't believe I forgot his name. This is actually just tormenting me. His name was not Fire. What the fuck is Google saying? Guys, I'm really sorry here, but I have to. Character in Sarah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. I really am, and I'm gonna end this podcast very soon. Um, Sarafina, you guys, how is this crocodile? Yes, it came back to me. How did they call him Fire? Google, you're such a liar. His name was not Fire in, in thingy. What? His name was Crocodile. Oh no, it wasn't. No, no, no. Okay, your Google's like, bitch, <laughs> me, I know my things. Why are you trying to? Why are you trying? No, it wasn't. Um, but they were like, since he played this character, Fire, he ripped up the surf, uh, the surf box. He forgot the, what he was feeling in that moment when he ripped up the surf box. I was like, you guys are too much. <laughs> You're too much. And I think that is a problem that some of us are so privileged. We, we weathered our lockdowns with, Wi-Fi and warm blankets and food in our fridges and even gained weight, kept our jobs, had jobs, had bars of alcohol stored in wineries and forgot the other side of things. Must be nice. Must be nice. People are suffering. I remember my dad and I used to, throughout the whole pandemic, the conversation was, you keep telling people to stay home. How can they stay home? Some people's home is a, is a, a tin. A, a tin. And there's seven people and you want them to social distance. Number one, that is not even social distancing because there's seven of them in there. So I'm just saying, guys, as privileged South Africans, as South Africans... See beyond the looting. People are crying for help. What are we going to do? What can we do? Have conversations in good faith with people that are not of your race. Listen to their stories. Anyway, I'm done. I didn't think this was going to go on for this long. I'm sorry that it did, but... Anyway, I'm out, guys. This was not an episode planned, but it has happened and it is now done. And thank you for listening. And I will see you guys in the next podcast. I'm going to post the actual episode that was supposed to come out today. I'm going to post it <laughs> on Tuesday. Bye.